All right. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. We thank God for his goodness. There is none like our God. There is only one God. His truth is all that we need. I don't know how you feel about it, but I can't point to a time where God has not come through. He's always come through. He's always been faithful. And uh, all it takes is being just a little observant of the things that go on in your life. And um, you too have a uh, no doubt a similar testimony that if you're paying attention to what's going on, you know that God has been good to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. We thank God we are back again in our Bible Matters uh, Bible study series. Uh, the Lord um, always gives us some uh, just some wonderful topics, things to cover in this series. Uh, there is no set um, um, topic that we talk about um, um, pre-designated or anything like that. This, this, this Bible study series strictly um, covers uh, not necessarily series in and of themselves, but whatever topic God gives uh, at the moment, whatever is on God's mind, whatever he gives me to, to speak on, to preach on, to teach on, that's what this uh, series is for. So they're, they're, they don't always follow a, a pattern. They don't always follow a theme. They could be anything. Um, they could be on everything. But amen, one thing is for sure, regardless, it's coming right from the Lord. It is right in the word of God, and you'll be able to follow along. And with that, I want you to get your Bibles and begin to follow along. We are in 2 Corinthians. We are in chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 and verse number 4. Amen. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 3 and verse number 4. I'm going to go ahead and read that scripture. The Word of God says this, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, amen, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Amen. May God always add a blessing to the hearing and reading and doing of his word. It's something very powerful when you mix God's word with obedience. That's when you start to see the power. That's when you start to see what God can do and what God wants to do. You got to mix the word with faith. This word without that faith, it, I'm telling you, it's not going to do you any good. You're going to be wasting your time. You're going to be spinning your wheels and you're going to be getting nowhere fast. The word of God is designed to be mixed with faith. It's got to be mingled with faith in order for you to get something. Amen. This, this is a beautiful scripture. Um, um, this, um, regardless of what time, this, this uh, morning or this evening or this afternoon, whenever it is that you are listening to this, wherever you are listening to this, I want to talk for a little while about the mercy and comfort God gives us, okay? So I want to talk about the mercy and the comfort God gave you, the comfort, the mercy that God gave me. I want to talk just a little bit about that. Um, you obviously should be able to have picked up those themes, the theme of mercy, the theme of comfort in our scripture text. And just for a few moments, for the next few 
uh, minutes or so, we're going to just take a dive into that and see what the Lord has to say about that. Family, it is the desire of God Almighty that we be, as his children, amen, at all times on the same wavelength, okay? By wavelength, I mean mindset as he is, okay? It's, it, it's, it's God's desire that as his children, that we are on the same page. We are on the same wavelength. We're of the same mindset. We're going in the same direction, especially when it comes to mercy or comfort or compassion. Amen. It is by the mercies of God, after all, that we are not consumed. This is what the word of God teaches us. And so when we approach the topic of mercy and of comfort or compassion, amen, we have to keep that in mind, that as God is focused on those things, so too must you and I be focused on the same thing. We've got to be on the same level. We have to be on the same page. We've got to be on the same wavelength. We got to be of the same mindset. Amen. Mercy and comfort or compassion, okay, are always to be characteristics of a believer's walk. Amen. This characteristic should never be far from you should never be far from me. Mercy, comfort, compassion. There should never be a situation where those characteristics are not observable from someone on the outside, from this world, when they look at me, when they see my walk, when they hear my talk, when they see your walk, when they see your talk, when they behold your actions, what you do. It ought to be very easy and quickly identifiable the earmarks of mercy, the earmarks of comfort, the earmarks of compassion, okay? They are some of the ornaments that are meant to decorate the life of the believer, okay? These things, they adorn our life. And they're meant to adorn our lives, why they need to be present and accounted for. Amen. It's important to God. How important is it? Well, look at Micah chapter six. I want you to look at verse number eight. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Do you hear the prophet telling you? I hear him telling me that mercy is a priority. It is a desire of God. God desires that. Let me read that again. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. That means what well, he, he's telling you what's acceptable to him. He's telling you what he's going to be okay with. That means that if you give something less than this, that means that that's not okay. This He's telling you what's okay. He's telling you what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee? What is he asking for? 
What does God want from me? Amen. But to do justly. That means do the right thing. And to love mercy. Amen. And to walk humbly with thy God. I told you. Mercy. It's got to be there. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Look at verses 4 and verse number 5. Amen. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Amen. Verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, let me take a step back. Look at verse four again. Notice the language of the scripture. Look not every man on his own things. Remember, we're talking about love or mercy rather, and compassion and comfort, these things adorning and being present and accounted for in the believer's life. Amen. Notice what he says. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. God's focus is on mercy. That's God, that God's in the business of showing mercy. He wants to do that. God wants to have mercy. I don't want to throw the book at you if you don't have to. No, God's will, the Bible teaches us, his desire is that all men would be saved. You know, everybody's not, but that's still his desire. He still wants it. And so what does he do? He makes the gospel, everything that mankind needs in order to be saved, the instruction. He makes sure that all that's available. Now, if God's focus, family, is on, the, uh, the, 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 on things such as mercy, Amen. And comfort and compassion. Listen, if our focus is on things other than what God is concerned about, then we will truly be we, we unable to really effectively be about the things that God is about. If your focus is on other things, notice Philippians 2, look at verse 4. Look not every man on his own things. This world will give you no shortage of opportunities and reasons to focus on yourself. It's always something going on. I don't know about you, but I, it, I sometimes every time I turn around, I got something going on, something that needs uh, attention here, something that needs a little bit of attention there. Amen. And if you are uh, remotely the same, then you have the same situation, that same scenario where life starts pulling at you and you have a number of things to do at any given time. And so life will supply you with no shortage of opportunities to be focused on yourself. But the word of God said, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Look at the word. Nobody uses the word also. What that means is, is that you're not supposed to neglect yourself. You're not supposed to neglect the things that are needed. There are things that come up in life that require your attention. And you know what? You're going to have to put some focus and some attention on that. But what the word of God is telling you, what the apostle is telling us here through this epistle through of the Philippians is that he's telling you that all your focus can't be there. But it's also got to be on others. You can't just be concerned about you doing okay and not being concerned about your brother not doing being okay. Uh-uh, you, you, you can't do that. I can't do that. Look not every man on his own things. Don't put 100% of your focus on I, me, and my. The world is larger than just you. And, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to have to say it. But if your life consists of population you, 
Your world is way too small. And it is not what God has intended for you or I. You are not supposed to neglect yourself. And no one is telling you to do that. No one is, is admonishing you. One of the biggest problems that the church has today is a lack of balance. We have saints of God who are so out of balance and so out of whack that they get spiritually burnt out. And when they need to be consistent or they need to be in the game, they need to be present and accounted for. They, they Listen, they on the, they on the injured reserve list. They, 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 they're, they're out for all intents and purposes. They've gotten spiritually burnt out. Why? Because for some of these people, they focused on everybody else at the expense of themselves. That's not the way that God works. When you do this thing God's way, there is time for you and I to focus on me, my, and I when that's necessary, right? But there will also be time for me to focus on my brother and my sister. I don't have to leave them unattended. I don't have to leave them as an afterthought and consume myself with me. That's not the will of God. Amen. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The Lord wants you to think the way that he thinks, which means that he wants you to be focused on the things that he is focused on. And as we said a little bit earlier, God is focused on, on mercy, on showing mercy and showing comfort and showing compassion. And if God is on that topic, if God's on that wavelength, brothers and sisters, we got to be there too. But if our focus is on other things, things other than what God is concerned about, then it's not going to be possible for us to be about or conduct the father's business. We're not going to be able to do that. Look at James chapter one, verse 14. But every man is tempted when he is what? Drawn away of his what? Own lust and enticed. That lust means it, your own desires. Focusing on your own stuff. Look at uh, um, the book of Ecclesiasticus or the book of Sarah, chapter 16, verse 23. Not Ecclesiastes, but Ecclesiasticus. Amen. Says he that wanteth understanding will think upon what? Vain things, empty things. And a foolish man erring imagineth follies. You're going to be focused on the wrong thing. Look at Proverbs 23, verse number seven. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. What is the point of these scriptures, Brother Walker? The point is, is this. What these scriptures are showing you, that whatever your mind is focused on, God is focused on mercy, compassion, amen, comfort, okay? But if your mind and my mind is focused on other things. Whatever I direct my attention to, these scriptures that I just gave you in James and Ecclesiasticus and in Proverbs, what they establish is, is that whatever you are focused on, that's what you're going to gravitate to. That's what you go, that look, that's the direction you're going to head in. And if you haven't picked up on it, you can't go in that direction and God's direction at the same time. You can't do you and God. You got to decide. I got to decide. 
God wants me and you to be focused on the things that are important to him. But so many times we are not. Why? Because we've gotten distracted by our own desires. We've gotten sidetracked by our own lusts, the things that we want. And those things have captured our attention. And brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how you slice it, doesn't matter how you dice it. You can't be focused on you and God at the same time. No, no, no. You got to choose. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Look at the order he told you to do it in. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. That meant God said, do my stuff first. You do your stuff second. And he says, you do my stuff first. But there's a blessing to it. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. What? And all these things shall be added unto you. So in essence, what he's really telling you, he says, you prioritize me in your life, in your walk, in your conversation, in all that you do, in everywhere that you go, and all that you undertake. You prioritize me, my work, my will, my way. You prioritize my kingdom. And what he's telling you is that if you will do that, guess what? I will take care of you. In other words, you don't even have to set aside really so much time to focus on yourself. God says, I got you. And I want to tell you that no matter what time you listen to it, if it's in the morning or in the evening or in the afternoon, I want to tell you right now, God has got you. God has freed you and I up to focus on the things that are most important. What things are those? The things that are outlined in the scripture, the will of God, the work of God is what is most important. And I want to challenge somebody who's gotten distracted on all of these different things. Maybe you're just trying to make ends meet and that's, and that's what it is. You're not even trying to go after and seek your own. You're just busy with life. I want to tell you something. You prioritize God and you watch how God prioritizes you. See, God got a way of putting your entire life in order when you put him in his rightful place. See, when you allow God to sit on the throne of your life, when you allow him to be Lord and God in your life, God has a way of just straightening out everything else. Life will have you running sometimes. I know, sometimes I feel like I know more than, than my fair share. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's nothing special about me. And, 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 you, and you know what? Guess what? We're all in this together. We're all struggling together at times. But I want to tell you that God is greater than your struggle. I want to remind you. God's always been greater than your struggle. And he's always been able. If you will take some time, prioritize your prayer life, prioritize your study of the word and reading of the word and prioritize practicing. Listen, when you read the word or you have a good prayer session, you're praying, you can't just leave it there. The word of God is meant to be used. You're not done. You're not walking in the spirit if you're not using the word. You got to use what you read. So you got to set time aside to not just pray, okay? Not just read, but you got to set time aside to make sure you're actually obeying and walking in what you are reading, amen. Now, I want you to take a look at our text. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter one. 
And I want you to look at verse three again. And let's let's dive a little bit deeper into this because now we know God, God is concerned about mercy. He's concerned about uh, comfort and compassion and all of these things. And it is God's will that we be on the same wavelength. We should be concerned about the same things. Let's dive a little bit deeper into this thing by way of our text. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, again, for our reading, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Amen. You see those themes that we're talking about, mercies and comfort. Now, the scripture says, blessed be God. Amen. Blessed. Blessed or blessed be God. Okay. Now, God is worthy, family, to be praised. And not just worthy to be praised, but worthy to be praised audibly. I want you to notice something. The word says, blessed be God. Now, that notice that you got on blessed, you got that ed at the end, making it blessed. So we take the word blessed here and it puts it in the past tense. And that's very interesting. And that's something that you don't want to skip over and that you don't want to move too quick on because blessed be God. Because what that saying is, is that God is already blessed. God is already worthy. Amen. God is worthy to be praised. And the fact that he's already blessed, God is already but that means he's always been worthy of praise. See, God is not, didn't just now become worthy of praise. God has always been worthy of the praise. God has always been worthy of our acknowledgement. God has always been worthy of us taking a pause to stop and to glorify God. When we talk about praising God, blessed be God. It means that God is worthy to be praised and has always been worthy to be praised, not just in your mind and not just in general, but audibly out loud. That's what this is talking about. See, the word blessed here in our text literally means ties out to praiseworthy. Amen. So it's an adjective and it, and it really means that God is praiseworthy. Amen. But not just praiseworthy. God, not just the fact that God has done all of these things and he deserves the accolades, my brothers and sisters. And yes, he does deserve all of the accolades. I don't know about you, but I can't praise God enough. There, there's, there, there, you look, you can never praise God enough. He's so good and so wonderful and so kind and so precious and so holy and so faithful. I, you know what? How can I help? How can I not help but praise God? God is so praiseworthy. God is so good all the time. He's better than good. Amen. Amen. He's praiseworthy. But he's so praiseworthy that it's worth shouting about. It's worth blessing his name audibly. Amen. Listen, there is a, it's a wonderful thing when you carry with you in your heart an attitude of praise and thanksgiving 
where you're worshiping God in your mind. Maybe you're walking down the street or maybe you're working out or whatever it is that you're engaged in in the day-to-day life. Obviously, you can't be doing nothing unholy. It ain't going to work in that sense. But if you're doing something that ain't that's not crooked and shameful and you're walking, then it's very easy to carry God with you. When I say that, I don't mean that you that I, I mean that to carry that praise, that attitude of praise in your heart, because you have God on your mind. And it's a wonderful thing, family, when you can. And to worship God. Amen. It's a wonderful thing when you can find that time to praise and to worship God in your mind. But you know what takes it to the next level? When you speak those praises out loud, when you worship God audibly, I'm talking about just praise. I'm not, I don't mean you going out and just, and having to, to, to make the biggest scene and all that kind of stuff, unless the Lord just leads on you. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, just using that voice that you have to say, Lord, thank you audibly, not being ashamed of who's around and who might hear it or, or see you giving God praise. Listen, that is your God. He is your heavenly father, and he alone is worthy to be praised. Just start replaying all the things he's done for you, and you're going to find a number of things to praise God for. But how about we praise him out loud? Amen. Amen. So he's praiseworthy. Blessed be God. Amen. Praiseworthy um, and worthy of pray of audible praise. Amen. Look at Psalms uh, 150 and six. Let's prove this out. Um, verse six says this, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Psalms 113, look at three. Verse number three says this, from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be praised. Do you know the Lord's name? Let me give you a hint. It's Jesus. That is the name of the Lord. That is the that is the revealed name of God in the New Testament, the name by which a man must be saved. The only name that you can be saved by. I'm telling you right now, and in the word of God, the psalm writer was setting it up. The Lord's name is to be praised. Look at Psalms 18 and look at verse number three. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Are you a recipient of salvation today? Did you follow what the word of God said in the book of Acts chapter two, verses 38, really starting at verse 36 and going through repenting of your sins. Amen. Being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about right down the line, right the way the Bible says it. Oh man, I'm telling you, listen, and because of that, hear the word of God. The songwriter is already setting it up. God is what? Worthy to be praised. How about Psalms 98? Look at verse number four. Make a joyful noise. Oh, here's that audible aspect. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. I told you it's good to worship God, to carry and walk in a in a very in a very deep and moving and touching spirit of humility and praise and worship. 
quiet praise and worship where you're meditating as you go along. But my brothers and sisters, I challenge each and every one of you and encourage each and every one of you, don't stop there. Oh, there's some joy and there's some strength that is also to be had when you audibly praise and worship God. Amen. Amen. The next phrase in that text of chapter of a verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Look at the phrase. It says, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we got blessed be God. Amen. And then we got even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, when we get to this phrase here, Paul is establishing something. What is he establishing? He's establishing that God that the God who is praiseworthy, okay? Because we just talked about God being praiseworthy. He's establishing that this God who is praiseworthy, he's not some other God. He's not some made up God. He's not a fictitious God. He's not a fake God. He's not a knockoff God. He's not a counterfeit God. No, 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 no. But the same God, amen, that sent and became all glory to God, as the scripture teaches, our sacrifice for sin, I'm talking about none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, in itself, this was an act of grace and mercy, amen, and what he's telling you, this same God, glory to God, that sent what we needed in order to be saved, Glory to God. Glory to God. I thank the Lord for Jesus. I thank the Lord that the Lord Almighty is Jesus, not a different God. He is not some other God. No, no, no. But he, God Almighty, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the God Almighty. And I love it because Paul is tying it all together. He wants you to know, hold on, that salvation that you got, from the Lord by, by being washed in the blood, glory to God. The blood of the lamb, who is that? Jesus Christ that was shed. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That same God who took on humanity and then sacrificed that humanity on a cross. And then my Bible tells me three days later, rose again, glory to God. Paul wants you to know that that's the same God that's worthy to be praised. <laughs> Glory to God. Isn't God good? Isn't, isn't he just fantastic? Amen. Amen. He, he wants you to know that we're talking about the same God. Okay. Jesus is worthy, family. Jesus is worthy. The Lord God Almighty is worthy. Amen. Amen. Look at how the scripture continues here says the father of mercy. So we got blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now look at this, this next phrase here, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. This God family, our God, who is worthy of all praise. He is the originator of mercies and all comfort. Our God, the one who is worthy of all praise, the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> glory to God. He is the originator 
of all mercy, the originator of mercies and all comfort. The originator of mercies, plural, and all comfort. Okay, now let's dig into that. I want you to notice something. It did not say, notice what the word did not say here. It did not say that he was the father of all mercies. Notice that he didn't say, it didn't say that. Nope, it didn't say that at all. The father of mercies. Didn't say all mercies. It said all comfort, but not all mercies. And there's a reason for that. Because not all mercies, you must understand, not all mercies come from God. See, for every characteristic of God, mercy being one, that's an attribute of God. That's a characteristic of God. For every characteristic of God, there is a false, counterfeit, knockoff version. This is what the devil specializes in. And I want you to hear this. For every true characteristic of God, there is a false, counterfeit, knockoff version of that characteristic. This even includes mercy. A lot of people don't realize that, but it is true. See, there is a form of mercy, family, in this world that the wicked bestow upon the wicked. See, that kind of mercy does not come from God, and it is not inspired by God. That type of mercy, that's straight from the devil. That is devilish in every way. See, the wicked, see, mercy. When you think of mercy, all right, it, to the world, the type of mercy that they give or the wicked gives to the wicked is a type of mercy that allows the wicked to get away with wickedness. You hear what I'm saying? See, they, 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 they're so wicked. And so twisted, you don't you don't even have to go far. All you, you can just you, you can you can you can turn on the news. Now, don't stay, you know, soaking in the news, but it's all right to check out and see what's going on every now and then. So, you know what to pray for. Amen. But if you watch the news, if you take a look at the news and you look at all these different politicians, regardless of their political party or whatever it is, you see corruption in the highest. You see the crooks making ways and getting <laughs> for other crooks. I mean, I mean, it is it is ridiculous. You don't have to go far before you see how they how they willing to smooth over stuff that's blatantly wicked and unrighteous. Have you noticed how they how how they are quick to give their friends who are equally as crooked and so on and so forth? These get out of jail free cards. Man, I'm trying to tell you, there is a form of mercy that this world that the wicked give. Unto the wicked. And this type of mercy is not the type of mercy that God gives. It's not inspired by God. That comes straight from the devil. Listen, God never grants a type of mercy. Hear me now. That allows anyone. And I mean anyone. To get away with sin. That is not going to happen. No, ma'am. No, sir. God never grants a type of mercy that allows anyone to get away with sin. No, 
It just does not happen. I don't care how much the devil try to convince you. It does not happen. Sin, family, must be dealt with, and it can only ever be dealt with in one of two ways, okay? Sin must always be dealt with. And, be, and, and in this reality, or in light of this truth, you must understand that in dealing with sin, it is only dealt with in one of two ways. Amen. It must either be remitted, that means pardoned or forgiven. This is how sin has to be dealt with. It is either dealt with by remission, so to speak, or being remitted or being pardoned or forgiven. Look at Psalms 32 and 1. Blessed, it, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Look at Acts 22 and 16. And now, and now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 43, talking about the remission of sin, family. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive what? Remission of sins. That's the washing away of it. That's the forgiving, forgiving of it. That's the pardoning of it. Oh, it is not done, look, done with just that. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Glory to God. What are we talking about there? That means that Jesus Christ, the fact that you can have your sins pardoned, that you can have your sins covered, that you can have your sins forgiven, that is made possible by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, that was shed on Calvary. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I'm talking, man, I'm trying to tell somebody who is listening to this, you can have your sins dealt with today because there was blood that was shed by a sinless lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. You want your sins remitted? You got to be covered with the blood. You want them to be washed away? You got to be covered in the blood. Do you want to be pardoned today or this evening or this night or this afternoon? You got to be covered in the blood. How do I get this blood to apply to me? I told you a little bit earlier, you better go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You got to repent of your sins. You got to be broken over your sin, not secretly okay with it. You got to repent of your sin. You got to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Not some names, not some titles, not something. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Do it just the way it was done in the Bible. It was not done in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and in the name of this and in the name of that. And in like, no, it wasn't done in all of that. No baptism was no, it was done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
And if you will do that, I'm telling you something, that blood that was shed on Calvary, he'll apply it to you and you can have your sins remitted. Your sins washed away. Glory to God. Glory to God. Sin can only be, ever be dealt with one of two ways. Number one, it's either have to, it either has to be forgiven or pardoned. That's, being, that's remission or, or it being remitted. Or it must be paid for in full. Look at Romans chapter 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That part is dealing with that remission. That's if you follow the recipe that's laid down in the book of Acts chapter two, start at verse 36, keep right on going. That give you all the instruction, tell you exactly what you need to do. And everybody got to do it. You want to be saved? You want to go to heaven? That's what you got to do. Not what somebody else tell you to do. You got to do that. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he shall in no wise inherit the kingdom of heaven. He ain't, Bible says you ain't even getting in. Bible says you ain't gonna even see it. No, you got to do it just the way God told you to do it. And if you don't do that, then there's only other one recourse. Your sins must be paid for. Because sin is never simply allowed. It either has to be remitted or it has to be paid for but it is never simply allowed. Look at Psalms 96, 13, if you don't believe it. Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth, he shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Look at Acts chapter 17, look at 31. Because he hath what appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. By that man, who's that man talking about Jesus? Whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. Glory to God. Notice what that word said. He have appointed a day where he will judge the world in righteousness. You saw that in Psalms 96, 13, and you saw it again in Acts chapter 17. I told you, sin, is, he, it, 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 no, you're not going to get away with it. You either have to have it forgiven and pardoned or remitted, rather, or you're going to have to pay that the consequences. See, because it is God's will that we be on the same page as he is, especially in the area of mercy and comfort. In verse number four of 2 Corinthians chapter one, the apostle outlines what that's supposed to look like or what that actually looks like because because we got to be on the same page god wants us to be on the same page so the apostle god instructs the apostle to to outline that and in verse number four you see the outline of what that looks like to what level in other words how does he want you to mirror him in the area of mercy and comfort how does he want you to do that we know that he wants us to do that but if you're going to be able to do it, you got to know how. I got to know how. Well, ain't God good? He thought of everything, he even gives us instruction. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, he gives us the how. He shows us exactly what to do. Verse number 4 says this, who, comfort, uh, who comforted us in all our tribulations. So that means in all of our situations, in all of our circumstances, things not going right, whatever it may be, 
whatever we have to deal with that's not that that is just not ideal the bible says that the lord comforted us amen the bible says that the lord comforted us and comfort really means to alleviate sorrow or distress amen it means to give really emotional strength to amen means to pick you up when you're down, when your continence is down, maybe you have been sick for a long time, feeling like you're not going to be able to get well. And at a certain point, man, that depression starts to come in and it sits in on top of being physically unwell. So now not only am I dealing with not with not feeling well physically, but now emotionally and mentally, I'm feeling down and I'm feeling blue. Well, the Bible says that God gives comfort. Oh, glory to God. And he alleviates sorrow and distress. That distress talking about that feeling hopeless or feeling like all is lost. The Bible telling you, he gives, look, who comforted us in all our tribulation. That means in every, that means in every situation that you go through that has the result of discouraging you, making you feel as though it's going, it's, the outlook is bleak. It's not going, the Bible is telling you. That that God, the one who's praiseworthy, guess what he does? He comforts us in all tribulation. I, I, I need to tell somebody, you're not alone. You're not alone. I know the devil want to sell you that bill of goods. That's what he do. He, he don't do nothing but sell snake oil. Want you to buy counterfeit and knock off. He wants you to feel like you're alone. I'm trying to tell you right now that God is in it with you. Uh, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. God is in it with you. Oh, you take heart. You put a smile on your face. You look up to the heavens and begin to wave your hand. Raise your hands in adoration because I'm telling you, that God who is praiseworthy, the Bible just told you, he comforts us in all our tribulations. Not going to be not one thing, not one trial, not one tribulation that you have to go through where you have to go through it alone if you will allow God to step in. God's right there. Glory to God. Amen. Who comforts us in all our tribulation. Look at the outline of what he wants us to do, how we're supposed to mirror him, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Notice what he just did. He says, this same God who's praiseworthy, remember that? Because verse three told us he was praiseworthy. He was blessed and all these things. This same God comforts us in all our tribulations, all our hard days, all your long days, all your tiring days. That God who comes to see about you, why does he do it? He does it not just to see about you, but also so that you would in turn be empowered to comfort somebody else that's in trouble. Why does it work that way? God comforts you first. And then his expectation is that you take it, you do the same and comfort somebody else. Why? 
because you can't give what you don't have. You can't give comfort that you don't have. You can't give compassion that you haven't received. So he first gives it to you. He gives it to you, which in turn empowers you to give it to somebody else. But not just anybody else. Look at the outline. But to them which are in any trouble. Notice the language, any trouble. Glory to God. That means that it don't matter what situation, what circumstance or scenario somebody is who is in trouble, who needs that comfort, who needs their head lifted up, who needs to know that God is still on the throne and that God is able. That comfort that he gave you makes you more than adequate to turn around and give that to somebody else regardless of their trouble. See, it's not your responsibility and it's not your right to be the one to be judge, jury, and executioner, to decide who's supposed to receive mercy and who don't. And it's a whole lot of us that walk in that unrighteousness, that straight up wickedness. We look at people's situation and we say, you know what, that person is too far gone. We say that person can't be saved. We say that person can't be delivered. We say that person, this, that, and the other. How soon we forget where we were when that comfort came to rescue us. How quickly we turn the page we lose sight of just how messed up we were, just how broken we were, just how discouraged we were, how far down we were. When the light of the gospel, when the hope of God's word came shining through like a beacon in the night, silvery ray of light so sharp and so quick that it splits the night sky in the depth of your sin here come God splitting the night sky with his glory with his majesty with his righteousness with his holiness and he rescued you he rescued me I think Jeremiah would say from the muck and the mire. He rescued us. And the word of God is telling us that he did that so that we in turn might do the same thing for those who are in trouble regardless of the type of trouble they're in. Listen. The quality of God's word, the quality is in the seed. It's not in the sower and it's not in the soil. The quality is in the seed. The word works. The word is perfect. That's the seed. It's perfect. And it doesn't matter whether you see if this person or if you see a way for this person to be delivered or not. God doesn't care what you see. 
The Bible says that he declares the end from the beginning. It's all about what God sees, not what you see. So you and I need to stop doing God's job, trying to determine who's worthy to be say who's going to, uh, don't, don't worry. You just give the word. You give that same comfort. Glory to God. Notice how he adds this onto it. He says, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Uh-oh. So not only did he give it to you so that you can in turn do the same thing for somebody else, but he don't even leave it to just you. This is what he tells you to do. He says that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Now watch this. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So in essence, what he's saying is the way you and I are supposed to reach them, to reach someone who's down, to reach someone who's in trouble, is using the same word that he used to reach you. Glory to God. Glory to God. I love the way God got it. I love the way God got it. Amen. Amen. Not only are you supposed to reach out for those who are down as God reached out for you, but you're supposed to do it using the very thing that he used to reach you. See, you're not the, you listen, you're not the only one in this world who's going through or who has gone through what you went through. That's why it is important, brothers and sisters, that you share the word, you share your testimony. Because God empowers your testimony. Because your testimony should not be devoid of what God did for you, what God said to you when you were down, when you were lost, when you were downtrodden, when you were backslidden. What did he say? that brought you back. And what he's telling you is, is whatever he told you that brought you back from the brink, go tell that to somebody else. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. See, mercy is compassion. And compassion, it means a deep awareness and sympathy, having a deep awareness and sympathy for another suffering, amen. You're concerned about what a person is going through. You're not hands off, you're hands on. And if you not can't be hands on, your heart's on. And not hearts off. You are concerned, you are moved by what your brother, your sister goes through. And God took all the guesswork. He says, you don't even have to try to figure out what to say. Just say what I told you. What I said to you that lifted your bow down head. What I said to you that put food on your table, what I said to you that rescued you, say the same thing to them. Glory to God. Because if the word that God gave you was good enough to help you, family is good enough to help somebody else. See, if it was strong enough to hold you up when you was weak. Oh, it's strong enough to prop up somebody else who's weak. 
If the word was powerful enough to overcome all your fears and insecurities, then it's powerful enough to overcome the fears and the insecurities of those that cross your path. If it's long enough, God's word was long enough to reach you when you were unreachable, then it's still long enough to reach those who also seem to be unreachable. If it was deep enough to rescue you when you were sunken, then it's still deep enough to rescue those who are currently sunk and sinking in sin. If it was capable enough to save you, who at one point someone may have thought was unsavable than the word of God, the message of God, the truth of God. It's more than capable enough to save those who you think are unsavable. Because the Lord God Almighty family, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says salvation is of the Lord. And he specializes in strengthening the weak. Overcoming fears and insecurities, he specializes in that. He specializes in reaching the unreachable, bringing up those that have been sunken, who have been sunken and are sinking, specializes in saving the unsavable. Mercy, compassion, comfort. The mercy and com comfort that God gave to you, that he gave to me when we were so far gone. Make sure you don't keep it to yourself. It's good for everybody. And if he could save you, if he could rescue you, Don't sell your brother and sister too short. Share the gospel. The quality is in the seed, not the sower and not the soil. It's the word. That's strong enough. All they got to do is mix it with faith. And whether they do that, that's not your concern. Leave that in God's hand. God bless you, family. We love you. And until next time.